You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, Buns, Buns. Hi, Joe's Nation. Steven here, and welcome to Sustainable Joe's 2084, the best place for business and sustainability talk out there. Now, before we get episode 10 going, I'm beyond excited to announce that as of yesterday, we are now crowdfunding a product live on Indiegogo. As I've been sharing over the past few months, we've been working hard in development because we believe you deserve to buy better goods and that all products should be made sustainably. Our product is called Sustainable Joe's Good Card Co. Simple, beautiful, sustainable. They are cards done right. For every card you choose to send, we plant two trees. We also had our cards analyzed by a consulting agency so we can be transparent and share the impact you are choosing with every purchase. Simply put, now you can buy cards that are responsibly made and give back to nature. We have 30 days to sell 2,000 cards and we can only get there with your support. You can find the link to our Indiegogo page at sustainablejoes.com and in the show notes for this episode. Now for today's episode, I sit down with Mr. Sasha Darius Majdahedi, the CEO of Buns, one of Toronto's largest tech and community platforms out there. This podcast is candid, it is live, it flows, and is full of value-added content, which I am proud to share with you today. We talk about how to raise capital as a startup, how to add value via an app, how to, how to find product market fit, how to scale, how to help users get what they need, and what a user-aligned roadmap looks like for your business. When you think about the future, entrepreneurship, technology, and adapting to make your product stand out and add value, this episode will support your growth, and it's simply a great listen. Adding even more value at the end of the episode, we share audience stories as we invited guests from the audience to come to the mic and share 30 second sound bites of the sustainable good they are up to. And of course, we play a song from Wolf Saga in full as Johnny donates his music for us to use in this podcast. Again, this episode was recorded live at our first live recording event at CoPower's downtown Toronto headquarters. And I wanna say a quick thank you to CoPower because they were really the drivers behind making the live events happen. CoPower brings together the best of impact investing, clean energy, and fintech. They're an investment company that issues green bonds, but we're not talking about government bonds that pay 1-2%. to CoPower's five-year green bonds offer 5% annually while helping support the development of clean energy across North America. Think solar, geothermal, LED retrofits, projects that help fight climate change and that you'll feel good about investing in. Learn how you can put the planet in your portfolio by visiting copower.me. Now it's time for today's episode, recorded live in Toronto, Ontario, with the CEO of Buns, Mr. Sasha Darius Majdahedi. I hope you enjoy. You don't want to participate in a space where everyone else has already like achieved everything that can be done in that space. You want to find a new space and you want to use that as a foothold and a leverage point to create growth because you have a, you know, a net new value proposition or you have an area where no one else is innovating. And so we saw Buns as that opportunity. From Sustainable Joe's, this is 2084, a podcast about designing tomorrow, creating a sustainable future for all, told by the people building it 
today. Yeah, Sasha. Hello. Thank you for uh, sitting down with all of us today. My pleasure. I say all of us because obviously I want to acknowledge our live audience as well. Thank you all for sitting down with us. Uh, the objective of taking the podcast live is to amplify the conversation, obviously around a sustainable, the possibility of a sustainable future, told by the people building it today, uh, both our guests and you here in the audience. And that's why it is a pleasure to be surrounded by not only you all, but also sitting across from this, this man over here, Sasha, you're the CEO of Buns, one of the largest online trading platforms in Toronto. It is a community platform, a barter-based platform. Uh, to start things off today, can you uh, give us your elevator pitch? Well, I wish, so there's a couple things I'll say about Buns when we talk about it. There's, a, there's actually some misnomers. It's actually not just a bartering platform. There's a number of other components to it that make it extremely valuable to people. But uh, Buns started, uh, was started by Emily, Emily, uh, and Emily works with us at HQ. Um, and really what it was designed to do is to be a fun way and a, uh, to create utility for people at a localized level to be able to get what they needed for what they had. Um, and it quickly expanded beyond that, uh, but what it essentially did was broke the notion of uh, how our social networks are structured um, and opened up the framework to localize people and uh, enable them to collaborate or enable them to transact with each other in a different way. How did you come on board with Buns? It started by Emily, yeah. and, and I'm sitting with Sasha. Yeah, so, uh, okay, so it's a funny story. So before, um, before Buns uh, had its own app, it was a Facebook group. It was actually a number of Facebook groups. And uh, I was working with a number, a small, a number, a small group of people, developers, that we were kind of teaming up to build a mechanism by which we could help create a better distribution model for goods at a localized level. And uh, we met with Emily because a common friend of ours introduced us, and we started to have conversations because she was trying to figure out how to build a development team and what it takes to build an app and what it takes to build the underlying technology. And uh, we decided to partner because it was slightly serendipitous to us. We were in the same city. We were working on the same problems, just buns was buns. And we were actually called Shuffle at the time. And uh, so we agreed to work together to, uh, and we, because of our common vision and what we wanted to achieve, we, did, we decided to work together and collaborate uh, to build buns. Because at the time, I think at, at the time we had somewhere around maybe 2,000 users on Shuffle. And buns, this is going to sound very small for those of you who know buns now, uh, but I think at the time it was 5,000 people. Um, and we thought, you know, there's a lot of experience we could bring to the table because I came from about, you know, 11 or 12 years uh, in banking technology. Um, so we had the understanding and the discipline, you know, similar to, uh, you, know, you know, my predecessor here, uh, you know, we had the experience that was required to be able to actually execute and, and work through the, the financial, you know, uh, modeling and work through the development cycles to be actually to deliver a product that could be, you know, separate from Facebook. Um, and so we agreed to do that. And so I got involved because uh, I was already starting down that road and Emily was going down a similar road and we said, let's just team up and let's do this together because we'll, be, we'll have a higher chance of success if there's more of us that are passionate about this idea of working together. So you said the idea is to get people the things they need and goods on a localized level. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, so what, can you describe the Buns app a little bit more? In yeah, depth? sure. So there's a number of categories in the app. There's, um, there's obviously the trading zone. So Buns is typically synonymous with trading. Like people talk about, you know, um, you know, posting their grandmother's old chair that she handed down to them and getting a case of beer for it. Um, but there's, there's also been sailboats that have been traded, like a 30-foot sailboat, cars, 
Um, there's a number of large ticket items and small ticket items, but really people use it as a mechanism by which like, they get rid of something that they're no, no longer needing that has residual value, but they're unable to sell. Um, or they don't think they can sell it, they don't want to go through that process, and they see value in it going to somebody else to use it. So really, like talking about the, I hate to use this word, but the garbage, like I think in the, the current society we're living in, we all have too much stuff, and we need to find a better way to actually take those things that we're not using and get them to people who do need to use them. And wouldn't it be nice if we could be rewarded, not necessarily always with money, but with other, other items that we need? Yeah, something. Yeah, but in it, sorry, I'm going to pipe in for one more second. So in addition to that, Keep going. I got I warned. I I got wa I, you know, <laughs> like, oftentimes people don't want to talk. So, so yeah, <laughs> so I, I got warned prior to this. Like, don't ramble, Sasha. That's what I got. My, my marketing, my marketing head was like, Sasha, don't ramble. You ramble when you talk. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I won't. I won't. I'm sure she's going to listen to this and she's going to. I'm going to get a stern talking to you. No, so Buns is actually one of the, uh, a couple of interesting parts about Buns that's in the app that's really, really powerful, I think, is uh, I think maybe about six months ago, we launched the Home Zone. And so Buns is divided out into these, on Facebook, it was originally divided out into a number of utility sections. So like one was, and some of them are niche sections. So some of them were like homes for rent. Some of them were plant zones, people who were just enthusiastic about plants. Um, and it was a place to trade plants, get plants, uh, you know, or uh, talk about plants. Um, and, and it really ex exploded. And there's, there's, there's a number of zones, and there's over, like, I think there's over half a million people in these groups across Facebook, just to give you a sense. Um, and... and uh, is that all in Toronto, by the way? Or no, that's not. It's, it's all over the world. Where I think Eli can probably help me out here. How many cities are we in? 250 cities on the app, yeah. Yeah, so it gets it gets pretty dicey, though. Cause like, you what know, Eli said, by the way, everybody in podcast land, is that there's 80 geographic zones. Yeah. It kind of, yeah, it went gangbusters. Um, uh, so, and this is, yeah. Um, so one of the things that's really interesting is the, I, I personally like to talk about this one as a good example because it kind of breaks down some of the misnomers or, or like, you know, misconceptions around, uh, you know, what Buns is and that it's only a trading zone is that there's this really, really uh, large uh, uh, sublet and rental zone where people find apartments, people find roommates. Um, and that's one of the most active zones as of recent. Uh, so I think like there's this, this sentiment or this idea that it's only about trading. It's actually for a lot more. So let's hop back. Y you said, you know, a lot of people have a lot of stuff. Yeah. You hate to use the word garbage. Yeah. We could use the word waste, many synonyms. Uh, when we talk about sustainability mm -hmm. and reducing our waste, how does Buns view sustainability? And, and is sustainability a, a tenant, a core tenant of your business practice? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think... You know, when we first set out, before even hearing, before even knowing what Buns was, and Buns is like super cool, right? Like the, the conversations that happen are super interesting. The people are wicked. Like it, it has so many amazing things going for it that are, have nothing to do with me or like the work we do with the technology. It has just simply to do with the community. Um, but there's this 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 kind of new idea that started to trickle out maybe like two years ago, or even before that, which was like, okay, like we have all these things. And you know how do we just create how do we create better distribution of those goods if we're not using them? And like you know the the, the original like kind of you know quick draw reaction to that is to go like oh let's just rent your stuff to other people, but like that doesn't really feel right. That's a lot of work to like give it to someone and get it back, and like you're not sure if you're gonna get it back, so you don't want to actually rent it. And like there's so there's a number of problems in the way that like, we look at uh, the things that we have idle value to us, and you kind of hit this point when you have something that you're not using where you're like well, I. You know, I'm not using it. It's actually a bit of a, like a, a burden um, in some way that it's still with me. I don't, I'm, you know, I don't really, I don't know what it's worth, but it'd be really awesome if it went to someone who actually needed it. 
um, or someone who could actually use it. And then to, to actually have that first interaction, that, that first transaction, that first trade that you do with someone, and you see, you know, they give you, I had, a, you know, this lovely person brought me like this amazing cake and she wrote this cool stuff all over it and it was really wicked. And then I, I can't, I think I gave her a bicycle in return for this trade, but she was just like ecstatic. Sounds like it a was a surfboard, that's right, it was a surfboard. So she made a cake for the office and I, gave, I had this, I have a small collection of surfboards and one of them I wasn't using anymore. And she was really into the idea of trying to learn to surf. And so I said, okay, like I'm not using this, it's, it's pretty beat up board, but if you wanna learn on it, that'd be cool. And it was taking up space, surfboards are quite big. And so uh, I, and I was actually storing it at the office and that was like even worse, right? So uh, bring a cake to the office, walk away. So yes, totally. And, and but like you know, two weeks later, like the first time I saw her pick it up and, and, and like you know size her up, make sure she felt like it was going to be good for her, and give her some tips. Like I think that was really powerful for her and for myself. Um, and then on top of that, like two three weeks later, I get a message from her and binds up a picture of her in like Lake Ontario with a wetsuit on. Like actually, <laughs> kind of like you know she's she's bailing, but like it was awesome. Um, well, it, it builds community, right? Yeah, exactly. And it also maximizes the, the utility of a resource. Yeah. So when you talk about users and community and bringing people together, who are Bun's users? So I think in the early, in the early days, we, we had this idea that like, you know, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, they're, they're all hipsters. And like, uh, or they're like, they're like the young people who are like really broke or like, it, it's not true. Like none of that is true. Like when we look at our demographic demographics, it's actually really inaccurate to believe that the people who are using it are simply people who are broke or people who are only young. Like it, it, it's really just, you know, in Toronto alone, I think Buns right now represents about 15% of the population. So 15% of Torontonians use us. And that, that means like when you look at the, the breakout of you know, ethnicities, age, gender, like in all these different components of data we collect to understand people, we realize that it, it was nothing like what we thought. What what did you see, or what do you see? Uh, so, uh, to give you like some basic numbers, um, like and how many users? <laughs> yeah, everyone loves that question. Um, I mean, I don't really know how to define a user. Yeah, so well. I'll, I'll yeah. I'm how, how do you guys define a user as well? Uh, so, which question do you want me to answer first? Yeah, all three of them <laughs> okay. simultaneously. <laughs> uh, so, I would say a user is somebody who, uh, in the last 30 days, has completed a transaction on the platform, or even has used it to find something, or uh, has used it to search for something. Um, and, and so, typ typically speaking, the way we look at it is actually through transactions, because it's a better measure of the impact we're having. Like, it, it's one thing to be like, yeah, someone's like whipping through our feed and thinking like, oh, that's cool, or like, that's not cool, or I want that, or I don't want that. But I think completed transactions are typically how we look at, um, a, you know, creating a, 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 a good measure of uh, the effectiveness of what we're doing. Um, and, and so I think the last time I checked, we were somewhere around, I think, 350 to 400,000 completed transactions, which means about 800,000 people um, have met uh, independently through the product to complete a transaction and review each other. Now, that, that's actually a really, uh, first of all, we're super proud of that number. But Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, so it, it equates to, when we also equated it to whales for a while. I don't know why we picked whales. But we we're like, how many whales is that of waste reduced? And it was like, I think it was like four whales, four great blue whales, six great blue whales, excuse me. Yeah. And we thought it'd be cool to like put like great blue whale stickers on like a door and like every time we had like another great blue whale. Um, but <laughs> uh, I think that's our way of making it interesting. But um, yeah, I think th the interesting part about the transactions is uh, there's a lot, a lot of people uh, in, the, in the adoption curve of, of having a rating system or a review system to say we've actually completed a transaction, um, which is, wasn't existent on Facebook and, and exists on the app. 
uh, a num we believe that there's probably a you know 15 to 20 percent variance in people who didn't complete the transaction, but completed a like an actual trade. So you know they didn't actually complete the review, and that was like an early UX design problem we were trying to undo and repackage. Do you get over a lot of like the security issues with meeting a stranger with reviews? Mm, no, not really. I think yes and no. There, there's a number of variables that are really important to the trust of a community. Um, and like, you know, in the, in the upcoming versions that we're working through, a lot of that gets factored in further. Like it's, it's actually super hard to build these types of products. Um, and what are some of the challenges? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think because if somebody's thinking about going down this path, sure. I mean, who better to learn from than somebody who's, you know, yeah, like I think it. so. Obviously, fundraising is really difficult, and when you have a product that is uh, inherently has a you know a public image of uh, exclusionary of, of like regular commerce, like it doesn't include dollars, is like typically what you you the the resistance you encounter with fundraising. So fundraising was really tricky. Um, learning to tailor your message to, to people was important. So I'd say that was a hard part, but even just the execution and development of a roadmap and aligning it to your users. And like, sometimes it's really simple to, to kind of get caught up in what you think people want versus what people actually need and like prioritizing the, the development cycles to make sure that you're doing the right things for the, you know, for your community. And it, it goes beyond that. Like there's a sense of, sense of social responsibility. Like anyone who actually uses buns, like the team at, at, at HQ, like we feel a huge amount of responsibility into making sure that the, our friends like it and our friends use it and they find it useful to them. Like those are, I think there's a number of pieces that are really tricky, but fundraising is always really funny and interesting and, Oh, and we'll get to fundraising oh, yeah. and money. I, 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 People they, love that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you work at Buns, right? Yeah, cool. Uh, how are you going to make money? Yeah. <laughs> that question's coming. Wait with bated breath, everybody. Hey, Joe's Nation. I want to take a minute to acknowledge a couple of our supporters, so please listen up. This episode of Sustainable Joe's 2084 is brought to you in part thanks to the support of Bullfrog Power, Buns, and Steam Whistle. Buns hosts our podcast for free. Steam Whistle gives us their delicious premium pilsner to sip on as we, as we converse. And Bullfrog not only financially supported our live events, but also powered them. And all of these entities push our content all over the internet. So let's get to the technical copy. First, to Bullfrog Power Sustainable Joe's 2084 live event recordings are Bullfrog powered with 100% green electricity. You too can choose green electricity for your home and support the development of community-based renewable energy projects across Canada at bullfrogpower.com. For those of you who don't know, Buns is the app for decluttering your life and finding stuff you love. Recently, Eli traded a bike light he no longer needed for three apples on Buns, quite literally a sweet trade. In the past, I also traded a six pack for two tickets to the Green Living Show. Anyways, you too can try trading today by visiting buns.com or get the app on your phone at the end of the day, buns for trading. A big thank you also goes out to Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner for their 100% renewably powered brewery to their green bottles, which can be reused up to three times more than a standard brown bottle, quote end quote. Steam Whistle is proud to support Sustainable Joes as we work to create a sustainable tomorrow together. Lastly, this podcast is publicly funded. It takes hours to create, so thank you to all of our monthly Patreon campaign supporters. If you have the capacity to contribute or you would like your business to be highlighted, please send us a message at sustainablejoes.com. 
That's Joes with an S because whether you are a Joseph or Joanne, together we are a group of Joes. Now back to the show. How are you able to identify what people want and what people need in order to best develop your product? I mean, there's definitely like some quant quantitative and qualitative. I like to take some like structured approaches to, to solving these problems. Like I don't like to just, I think in the, in the early days you're moving so fast, you kind of shoot from the hip on things. Um, but we really became more data-driven in our decision-making and strategic in the way that we see where we want to be and then lining our builds up to where we want to be by, you know, the end of 2000, you know, by, by the end of the year or 2017. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do with listening, having conversations, you know, looking at behaviors. Uh, it's really data-driven. Um, but there's also an element to it that's like, well, you don't know if people are going to like something um, when you, if you add a new feature that you know, is net entirely net new because there, there's no indicator that, you know, people are going to want that. Um, so there are some, some like really short-term tests that you should be running um, at, in, in the most cost-effective way to be smart about it. But really what you want to do is you want to be listening to your community and saying like, hey, this is what we're thinking of doing and just really allow people to rip you apart. And, you know, sometimes you know that you've got to go down this road for strategic reasons and sometimes you know that you got, can't go down that road because it just doesn't make sense. So my favorite question, which you've already kind of touched on, obviously, yeah. but what is the, the, the root why behind buns distilled down into one sentence? You're telling me not to ramble, too, hey? <laughs> I actually got a text. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's right. <laughs> Make sure Sasha doesn't. So, so the question was, what is the, the underlying ethos behind buns? Yeah, distilled down. So I think it's, it's, what it is, is, is it's a city network. It's people... Uh, choosing to make better use of the things they have and to find new ways to collaborate with others in their city. Your platform has grown steadily. For other entrepreneurs out there looking to grow their user base, what, what would you say are the keys? And how do you, how do you plan to continue to grow? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think, you know, what you have to do, this is how I see it. And I mean, my view of growth and of products and technology is constantly evolving. I think if you had asked me this question last week, I would have given you a different answer, but I'm going to give you the answer I've kind of concluded now. Is the engineering and product team really, their job is to build an amazingly fast race car. And it has to have all the features of the, that, that the person who, who's going to grow that product want to get behind the wheel. Um, and so really you have to build an amazing product that has net new differentiators and what I think, you know, we're going to touch on some similar topics, but like green pasture, you don't want to participate in a space where everyone else has already like achieved everything that can be done in that space. You want to find a new space and you want to use that as a foothold and a leverage point to create growth because you have a, you know, a net new value proposition or you have an area where no one else is innovating. And so we saw buns as that opportunity. Um, and so our job is to create a really amazing car and then have get someone who's a growth person or a mark on the marketing side to help us drive that car really, really fast. And so I think the idea there is, is and, and to do that, what you really have to do is you have to be able to communicate with people why you're doing what you're doing, why, how it adds value to their lives, you know, how you're going to make it easier to do the things that they're currently doing and why your, your platform is different. Now to the money question. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's currently no, no monetary transactions on buns. How, how does buns plan to make money in the future? Um, so there, there's a number of ways of looking at this, and it really is just m math. Um, 
<laughs> so, so, so we're, <laughs> we're very fortunate to have patient investors, which is really lovely. Um, but I think, so there's a number of ways of looking at this in terms of like, whenever I, so just like anyone else who would be at the helm or, or strategically driving a company like this, where you're, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of popular for being known for trading, um, y you have to like, on every once a week, you have to like soothe your, so your sores by like doing the math and running the spreadsheets to be like, what would we make if? And when you start thinking uh, about what would we make if, and like how do we create, it create a sustainable business, um, you, you start looking at different models that you know and start looking at models that you, you know, you know that uh, haven't been implemented. And so like the floor of profitability or the floor of sustainability of a business, in my opinion, for a, a mobile product is ads. Now that's like, that's not something we want to do. And I'm, I don't think that we will end up going down that road necessarily. But if you back calculate on that, you can say, okay, well, we would make this. And, and that is used to uh, have a conversation with investors who will continue to fund that growth to be able to um, uh, you know, expand that base size or that impression size to be able to, to figure that out or to create revenue. Um, so now, but at the same time, there's also, you know, with the home zone, there's a huge opportunity for, you know, just like Airbnb, like sublets. There's a massive number of sublets on our platform. And there's no payment interaction system yet. That's a huge opportunity. Yet. Uh, yet. Yeah, that's coming. Um, dropping bombs. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Operative word there. Yeah, yet. like, so I, I think if you look at any of the subsections, the five existing subsections on Buns, you'll realize that there are, are billion, dollar, billion dollar companies in every one of those subsections. Jobs, homes, things, you know, social. Like, the, every one of those subsections has very large companies that have their own unique models, and I don't think we'll adopt their models. Um, but whenever I feel that, that overwhelming concern of like, oh man, we're gonna have to figure out how to monetize this, uh, you know, the, the, the basis is I've got a number of spreadsheets to back calculate, okay, if we put this number of transactions through the platform, this is what it would look like if we took payments, payment processing fees. If we put this number of impressions through the platform, this is what it would look like if we took um, uh, uh, advertising, uh, CPM. So now, but on top of that, we don't just think about, I'm going to ramble here for a second, just because I think this is really important to, to why Buns is going to be different. We're all with you. Okay. So, you know, when we talk about companies, I think a lot of technology, there's a lot of opportunity for technological innovation. And if you're really technologically, you know, savvy or you're, you're an engineer with amazing electronic, you know, electronic engineers, uh, electrical engineers, excuse me, like you guys are like fantastic focus on that. I think... One of the things that gets overlooked a lot is how companies themselves, by structure, can be innovative. And you know, we look at things like, well, if we're going to generate X number of dollars in revenue, and we have a network of local stores in Toronto that are, you know, maybe 150 coffee shops and stores that are partners of ours of safe trading zones, how do we take a certain percentage of that profit, and how do we create a Wi-Fi network that you are enable, able to access if you're a part of the Buns Buns network or a Buns user, and help you reduce your, your Wi-Fi, your, uh, you know, your cellular data plan costs from what is probably 60 to $100 a month for everyone in the room to a significantly reduced cost because you spend about 95% of the time you know, in the actual city you reside in. So how do, we, how do we actually do those things at a localized level that a lot of these larger companies promised but never really did? And so we look at those types of you know, uh, commitments, public commitments, and how and build them into our business models because I don't think that we look at business as being just something that's like we're going to make X amount of dollars and that's going to be awesome and who cares like I think sustainability is beyond just our business being sustainable but like cost of living for people in cities being sustainable and that is why Buns exists is because it's expensive to live in a city.
You came from the financial space. Yeah. Now you're in the, the mobile app community building space. Right. Do you love what you do? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's awesome. Why? Uh, have you ever worked at a bank? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I think I learned, I learned an immense amount. I, and I had the fortunate benefit of working in stock trading businesses, real estate secure lending businesses, um, anti-money laundering, anti-terrorist financing divisions. I, I got to do some really, really cool shit. I was really, really lucky. And we just got the, the E for the expletive on oh, the podcast yeah. right there. <laughs> Apologies. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it is okay on this yeah. podcast. Um, so I, you I got to do some cool shit. That's where you we were. We did, yeah. And so I think, uh, I think at a certain point I hit a point where I was like, I want to do something meaningful. I want to do something, and I have all these, you know, I've built a really strong business acumen, I've built a strong, you know, technological acumen, and I really want to just figure out how to apply that in a, in a way that actually, um, you know, fulfills my personal, my personal goals while, you know, it does something in service of people in the cities that I, li you know, I, I love and I enjoy. And, like, I love my city. I love Toronto. I was born and raised here. And I love all the other cities that, like, I've had a chance to visit. And I think if companies that exist in cities that where their, their users are, I think if we can figure out a, a mechanism by which you're still profitable, but you, you give more value to your users, I think that is what's going to be really innovative in the future for, for digital you know, companies like ours. My last question. Yeah. Buns is clearly a disruptor. How do you envision the future of commerce and what role does Buns have to play in it? So I think, I'll say this, I don't think, Buns is not going away. Um, we were really fortunate to have uh, really amazing uh, investors in the company. And we just recently closed our Series A round and they've been nothing but kind and amazing and supportive of our strategy and vision. Um, I, I would say the way I see uh, it evolving is really a more fluid way of transacting with each other. And, and I think like you look at listings businesses and you see like, there's a lot of places to like drop your shit and like be like someone buy it and like kind of hope. But like no one's, and so there's these kind of two, there's really two, way I see commerce is there's these two, two types of platforms. There's there are these, these classifieds platforms, which are really dated and haven't changed a whole lot. And then you've got, you know, your Amazons, which are really like, you know, business to consumer and like just like getting you stuff fast and it's new stuff and it just ends up in the same pile as the other stuff. So there's this like gap in the middle, which is like, how do you create not a, uh, a listings business, but how do you create a tool that enables people to transact at a localized level in a really meaningful way? And so I think that is for us is going to be our green space. And what that means is um, expanding your idea of what buns uh, represents. And I think it's already started to happen. I think like I, I do believe that right now as of, as of today, uh, the mobile app is the single largest collecting of apartments for rent in all of Ontario. Um, so like things like that have started to sway and shift. And so I think what we're going to see is, is is technology acting, we're gonna see a movement away from, from listings uh, or like listings classifieds platforms into really awesome tools that help you manage the process of the experience of meeting with someone else who you don't know in your city. I apologize, I actually have one more question. Where did the name come from? Oh, this one's fun. Okay, so, so it was originally called Bums. I'm just staring at your shirt. Yeah. So it was originally called Bums Trading Zone, like B-U-M-S, and uh, and I think uh, the, co the community actually had a conversation about it as it started to grow. And was like, yeah, you know what, guys? Like, it's kind of inappropriate. Because um, everyone was broke, right? That was the notional idea. Everyone's broke. We're all bums. And like, you know, it was kind of like 
okay, that's not so appropriate. Like, so what do we call it? And there's like a large kind of like town hall on the internet where everyone was like, you should call it this, you should call it that. And I think it just landed where it was like buns. And it was like, yeah, okay. And then, then the next step was like, hey, Sasha, the community decided to call it buns. It's like, okay, cool. And so I'm picking up the phone trying to like buy buns.com from like porn companies, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, hey, how's it going, man? He's like, great. You know, I'm like, uh, co cool. So I want to buy your domain name. What did you use it for before? He's like, you don't want to know. <laughs> it's like, and I'll take that, it. <laughs> and on that note, can everybody say thank you to Sasha? Yeah. Jimmy, you get the first question. Oh, he's gonna, you're going to throw me a curveball now. Oh, I C -O -C -O, a curveball. Okay, yeah, you did it. Well, I, I had the most you know, stereotypical question, like what, how, do you, how do you make money from the platform? But so, of course, I have to switch it up now. You had a great answer, by the way. Thank you. Um, but I guess from, from one CEO of a startup to another, um, you know, I'm curious, like, what do you find as the most challenging part of being a CEO of a startup? Oh, there's so many challenging parts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you kind of, so, uh, okay. Y you kind of become, you know, I'm sure you feel this way. Like, you kind of, like, you encounter, like, massive problems. And you're like, holy shit, the, you know, the sky's falling, we're so screwed. And then you kind of like, overcome that problem, and you're like, okay, I can do that again. And like every so often you encounter a massive obstacle. And I, I think like the quicker you become my, maybe I'm gonna circle back to your answer, I'm gonna go the long way around. Um, so I, I think the quicker you become comfortable with the idea that you're gonna encounter an incredible number of challenges along the way, uh, the, the sooner you can get back to actually having sleep at night. Um, and so, but I think one of the, greatest challenges I found was disconnecting from, I, I love product. Like for me, product is just brilliant. And I love my engineering team and I love the content that the marketing team creates. But to disconnect myself from that and be out there having conversations with venture capitalists and fielding these kind of, these these questions, what which what kind of put me back into the banker's seat. Because like, typically speaking, a lot of you know folks who, who start their first company, they go in there, they have venture capital conversations and the person sitting across from them knows a lot more about money than they do. And I, I was very well prepared to have those conversations. But that sucked. Like, that really sucked because I was like, the whole time, everyone's like, oh, it's so cool. You get to go to San Francisco and New York and do this. And it's like, yeah, but you just want to be there with your team, like, working on the stuff that matters. Like, see them roll out that next feature. And for me, it's like turning off um, or disconnecting from what my team's doing for a two to three month period, two month period. And, you know, then to, just to raise capital to come back and keep going. Like, that was tough. That was, like, that's, and I, I can't remember who said, but it's like chewing on glass, right? It's like, it's really tough. <laughs> Next question. Come on up. Please say your name, what you do, and then, then go for it. Great. My name's Netta, um, and I'm actually with Engineers Without Borders. Um, I appreciate that you're a rambler, because even just formulating this question, I was rambling in my mind. Like it. You're in good company. Okay, yeah, good company for sure. So, um... Just to give you a bit of context, like who we are as EWB is is very much so about investing in very innovative, early stage, bit of shit disturbers, but also potentially very high risk ventures that have right. a social agenda. Right. And I wanted to circle back to that a bit with buns because I think on a surface level, you're doing that, right? You're making a city that is becoming exceptionally difficult to live in 
through its price point, a more affordable place to live by giving people access to certain things that will improve their quality of life, whether it's a cake baking pan to a surfboard to, I don't know, a shelf for their kitchen, whatever that thing is, right? But there's also opportunities, I think, in making this a platform for revenue-generating assets, right? So one of the ventures we support gets water pumped to a farmer who can produce more crops if he has that water pump. So Mm -hmm. I heard that you guys are in Nairobi, so a part of this question is maybe I don't know enough about buns, but how much of that is rooted in your social mandate or vision or mission? Yeah, so the team will hear me talk. That's a great question. Um, The team hears me talk a lot about Whenever we, whenever we get into like strategic conversations, I end up kind of coming back to like, yeah, but I want to do X, Y, or Z and create this impact in our cities. Um, and I think the way we've looked at it is like, how do we create um, a proportional representation? Let's say you're going you're gonna to commit, and I'm, this is not going to be our public commitment, but <laughs> let's say notionally you're going to commit 20% of your total revenue. Yeah, I know that, yeah. But let's play, let's play the numbers back. I like the numbers. They're more interesting this way. Let's say you're going you're gonna to commit 20% of your total revenue as a platform and you're going to distribute that, that revenue at a localized level proportional to where the user bases are. So if Nairobi represents 2% of your total user base, they're going to get 2% of the total revenue reinvested at a localized level. Now the question is, is how do you operationalize and execute that, that investment in Nairobi in an effective way? And how do, you, how do you enable the community to be able to make the decision as to what the appropriate investments are? Right? Is this helping or no? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. One follow-up. Go for it. But is there opportunities to saying that there's assets that we have here in Canada Mm -hmm. that would generate revenue Ah, in an underserved community or in a developing country? And is that a part of potentially a model of generating profit? Totally. Yes. Okay. That's a great question. Yes. So... Um, without like giving away a lot of the wicked stuff that we're, we're working on. Like there's going to be, by the end of 2017, Buns is going to have some really interesting things happening on it. Um, which, which you're not going to tell us. About no, I'm not going to tell you about it, no. Um, I have to have some secrets, come on. <laughs> um, but I think, y- yeah, so right now on Buns, there's over a million items available. Um, and one of the things we do is we have ISOs, which is in search of, it means in search of. Um, and so you can, on your profile, put like five things you really need or five things you might want. Um, and so what we can do is we can use that to match and then uh, create curated content that is able to be uh, uh, targeted to a certain demographic in a different country um, or even sold to that, that country or even lent to that country in a way. Um, I'm not necessarily... I think it's an idea that we haven't fully explored in terms of international distribution because I think we have the job to do still at a localized level within cities before we worry about city to city. Because um, there's actually a number of examples of, of companies that have tried to do city to city like that. And they were very well backed by large investors like you know Patagonia had an environmental and sustainability fund that backed one of these companies. And it tanked in... A, like in, it, it went out of business in a period of time that was shorter than Bun's existence, just to give you a sense. And it burned through a lot of money. Um, so I think you want to be cognizant of creating, uh, the way we look at it is like, let's, let's get what we're doing right and like to the point where we know we have product market fit and we're going to continue to scale. And then we can tack on things that add auxiliary benefits. But I mean, if in any, in any regard, and anyone listening to this podcast or yourself who's affiliated with an organization like this, where you feel like you could benefit from um, us helping go through our inventory of, you know, this massive inventory of items that people have made available, I, I welcome you to reach out to us. Um, and I think it's info at buns.com. 
hello at buns.com. Hello. Um, so I, I think, but I think in, in the interim of us completing and executing our, our focus strategy at a, a city, a city level first, um, internationally at a city level, uh, then it'll become, at that point, we'll, we'll feel at a position where we should scale to global, uh, and me meaning city to city and transactions. But in, in the interim of it, I'm welcoming you to, to connect with us, and if we can help in any way, we'd be honored. Next question. Uh, wow, we got, we got three. Come up here, and you'll be the three last, and then we're gonna move on to the, uh, the, the component of tonight where you get to share the good that you're up to. Paul. Hey, I'm Paul. Um, I head up e-commerce at Nanoleaf, and I had three burning questions. You've answered the money question, you've answered the logo question, thank you. Um, the third question I had was, you guys are really enabling consumer-to-consumer -consumer transactions at scale. That's ultimately what you're doing. Yes. What do you think the societal implications of that uh, is going to be, and you know, how does that relate to sustainability, and how does it relate to traditional economics? Because it's quite disruptive. Yeah, so what, essentially what you're referring to is just like blowing apart the social graph. Like you're not necessarily just transacting with a company that you know. You're not necessarily transacting with a friend on Facebook. You've actually taken that equation out and just said, well, anyone who has the item I want, I'm willing to transact with. Um, so I think from a sustainability perspective, I'd l I think the way we look at it is, um, and this is why we took that, the approach of measuring and understanding the number of transactions we've completed and creating and assigning a notional uh, waste weight to that item, um, is because then we can understand what we're keeping out of waste, like waste landfills. Um, so I think from a sustainability perspective, the idea is, is the, like if we can create cats out of items, like give them nine lives, that would be amazing. Um, and, and I think the way you do that is by helping uh, take the pain out of like the search and find process um, and like just surfacing the right things to the right people. Uh, in terms of traditional economics, I don't think money's going away anytime. I mean, we've looked at cryptocurrencies and a number of other things that all these, you know, fun companies are looking at right now. Um, and I, I think that uh, there's always going to be a place for uh, consumers to purchase items from each other. Um, on the secondary market, on the aftermarket. Uh, and I'll, I believe that the, the uh, you know, new goods market will remain and continue to thrive. But I think with the, the you know, interest rates increasing, um, you know, that's gonna have a higher cost of capital to anyone who's got a, a debt like, that they're gonna have to service. Um, and so I think really what it does is it allows people to buy things without using cash. It's an alternative economy in some ways. Um, but I think that we'll be, we'll be coming to a point where we're actually getting really good at figuring out what it is people want and, how, and connecting them with those things that uh, you may see us expand into other areas. Uh, and, and not necessarily, I don't like to believe that we're going to compete because I look at us as an interaction tool. Like the way I, I like to, to look at and think about buns is really not so much as a tool that you look at to like go find the surfboard, but really like what I, what I dream of it doing is becoming the tool that you use to, to meet up with the person, connect with the person, schedule with the person, make sure that they're coming that day, make sure that you can transact with them in an effective way. Like, so I think there's, there's more to that middle interaction point than, uh, than we've seen so far. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Thanks. Cool. I like your hat. <laughs> that was my conversation with Sasha Darius Majdahedi, the CEO of Buns. You can find out more about Buns at buns.com. Now it's time for us to share two stories from the audience. Hey guys, so my name is Elena and uh, I'm the founder of One Species and I'm here with Sheldon who's also involved with One Species. And basically what we're trying to solve is get to the core 
issue with sustainability like globally and that is like getting people to care. So how do we how do we reconnect people? People who care like there's some initiation point in their in their life when they come to like love sustainability and and come to tackle a certain niche, right? So one species is about reconnecting people with with nature, with wildlife. Um, so we're inspiring people. Uh, it's a clothing company, fundamentally, but beyond that, it's a community, and we're building it out globally. So we travel around the world, we have meetups, and we sell clothing, and uh, yeah, towards specific endangered species. So this is a killer whale shirt, actually. But yeah, that's probably 30 seconds, so it I is won't go over. 45, actually. Whew, sorry but about it's that. Awesome, either way. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Akil. So hey guys, I'm the founder of Green Story and we help companies which have sustainable products and services calculate the impact of their products and showcase it to customers in a way that they really understand and can relate to. Thank you, my friend. Amazing, right? Sustainable goodness is happening everywhere. Now, before we sign off this week, I gotta let you know that this episode was recorded by Koji Nagata and yours truly. I also took care of the editing and music was provided by Johnny of Wolf Saga. You can subscribe to Sustainable Joes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And do us a favor, please leave us a review while you're there. Lastly, big thank you to everyone who supports this project. Our patrons are the best. Please check out our crowdfunding campaign right now at sustainablejoes.com. You can also find it on Indiegogo. It's in the show notes, the link that is. And as always, thank you for listening. We will be live with a new episode next week. For now, I leave you with a track from Wolf Saga. Thanks, Johnny.
Time I spent trying to find the 